You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And Kentucky takes on Texas A&M tonight at 7 o'clock on ESPN with Carl Ravitch. Maybe he is shaved. We'll see. Jimmy Dykes (laughs) and Marty Smith. Uh, Kentucky... 12-2 Twelve and two in the SEC. Texas A&M eight and six. Calipari is nine and three all time against Texas A&M. Buzz Williams zero oh and one. I didn't realize this. Buzz Williams was an assistant under Billy Gillespie at Texas A&M back before Gillespie uh, became Kentucky's head coach. But Tuesday will be the fifteenth all time meeting between the two. UK leads the series ten to four. But Texas A&M has won the uh, two of the last three in College Station. Kentucky opened as a seven-point favorite for this game. Kentucky's won six in a row. Texas A&M currently on a three-game winning streak. Now, Kenny Payne previewed the game uh, on Monday, and uh, several interesting things uh, that I thought he said, Kyle. Uh, uh, he, he talked a little bit about Texas A&M, said they'll They'll get you, try to get you in foul trouble. And he said lately that's been everybody's strategy. Yes, get Kentucky general, in foul trouble. That's yeah. the general consensus right now. But uh, that they throw junk defenses at you, they mix it up, they're physical, they'll probably try to press them some because of Kentucky's issues with the press. Uh, but the, the two most interesting things that I thought that came out of uh, Kenny Payne's mouth on Monday were about EJ Montgomery and about Ashton Haggins. Yeah, and that's that's what I wrote uh, about. I've got a story up on the athletic. Should be now if people are listening on uh, Tuesday morning. Um, you know, on a day when they launched the uh, officially launched the Emmanuel Quickly uh, <laughs> awards candidacy, they brought Nick Richards out. We could talk more about that, but uh, to uh, do pick Nick and Quick, uh, the most interesting things that were said to me were about Ashton and EJ, and and really, I think at this point, as we you know, enter the stretch run. There's three weeks until the NCAA tournament begins. There's four regular season games, maybe three SEC tournament games, and that's it. And then it's it's go time. Um, the most important things for Kentucky to me are Ashton Hagen's getting back on track um, and EJ Montgomery building on what I think has been a really strong, basically last 10 games, nine, 10 games, um, yeah. where he's, you know, not not every game, but he's had several times where he's put up a decent number or he's had some moments that were these kind of high energy, high impact moments that have really made people, a lot of people encouraged about him. And Cal Perry said after the game, he's so close um, Saturday and Kenny Payne today said, yes, he's really close that he's worked really hard. He has gotten in shape. He's said he's posting up harder than ever. And the funniest thing about the whole press conference players or coaches was Kenny saying, you know, the, the, he's posting up harder than he's ever posted up, but the other part of that is the guards aren't throwing him the ball. So we told him <laughs> right. in, in coaching meetings, uh, punch somebody. If they won't throw the ball, just punch them. Yeah. Uh, and EJ was like, I don't think I want to punch anybody. But if I if I do do that, <laughs> I'm just going to go uh, tell Kenny Payne right after, like, that's what you told me to do. Right. Um, <laughs> so that was interesting. But that to me, that little kind of joke ties those two guys together. Uh, because EJ is ready to kind of have a breakthrough, but he's going to have to get help from the guards. They've got to give him the ball. He's not; he doesn't have it in his hands very often. 
Yeah. Uh, and that primarily falls on Ashton Hagens and that, you know, as EJ is right on the cusp, Ashton Hagens has totally reverted. Um, and like Calipari finally was able to admit there's an issue with Hagens and all these turnovers, uh, Kenny Payne, even more, I think, uh, clearly e- explored that idea. Um, and it was mm-hmm. not, you know, one of the things we've talked about with Kenny Payne is that he answers the question. Right. Uh, you know, Cal's there to give his message, and there's, that's fine. There's something to be said for that. Um, but Kenny's pretty much there to answer the question. Uh, he's insightful. He's, yeah. And he's been harsh on guys, you know, like, you know, there were times where he would – be really I'm not critical. hugging Nick. I'm not telling yeah. him he's any good. <laughs> yeah, all those things. Uh, and I asked him today, you know, last season he kind of faded. If you'll remember, Hagen couldn't dunk anymore by the end of the season and said yeah. that he said he basically played so hard on defense he was out of gas. And, you know, he's had an ankle-slash-foot injury early this season that he played through. Now he's got a th- this deep thigh bruise that he played through. Um, and he's, playing a, he's played a ton of minutes. He had a stretch where he's basically playing every minute of every game. They've been trying to work on that and have him sub himself out. But there's a lot of wear and tear on him. And I asked Kenny, is he, might he be worn down again? And he said, I, th- I think so. Mm-hmm. And he said he had an injury a, a while back where we had to limit his practices, where at times he did not practice. Uh, but he went on to say, but no excuses here. Ashton has to play better. And he said, I don't want to call them unforced turnovers because they're lack of concentration, lack of discipline turnovers. But we're at a critical point in the season where – this is what we train for, and we have to be headed in the right direction. And there are six or seven minutes in every game where there's a lull on our offense, a lull on our focus, and we have to clean that up. Um, I thought Which, that was – Yeah, that's it. That's what we've been – you know, that's what I've been trying to get John Calipari yeah. to acknowledge for two weeks. Uh, and and it, there it is. Like, yes, that's, one of the reasons they yeah. don't – one of the reasons they don't finish teams off is they get up by eight or ten or twelve, and then it's turnover, turnover, bad shot, bad shot. The other team makes a couple threes, and now it's a game all the way to the wire. And often, Ashton Hagens comes in and makes some crazy defensive stop to save him or makes free throws at the end. He's, he's done plenty to help them win games. But he's also been, I think, the issue with their offense bogging down for long stretches and letting the other team get back in it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that that's it right there. And I, I'm not sure if it's going to get better. Like, if he plays, like you said – uh, give him the week off. If he plays against Texas A&M um, and he just keeps going here, you know what's coming up next? I mean, th- this schedule is only getting more. Like, they go to the SEC tournament. That's three games in three days if you're, if you're going to win it. Uh, yes. It's almost better if they would just lose the first game. Yeah, I mean, um, unless, you know, unless it would guarantee them a four or five seed by losing, I would almost right. bow out. Um, because then you go to the, S- the NCAA tournament and you play every other day. Yeah, you, know, you you play right. your first game and then you get a day off and you play your next game and remember the game that he really kind of fell flat was the second game of a weekend, uh, the fourth game of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they go all they uh, get Auburn in the Elite Eights the second game in three days and he he came out flat. Some of that was fo- a lack of focus and he admitted he kind of took them too lightly. But um, I, I think it's I don't know how you could be watching them right now and. As, as good as things are going overall for the team, and so many guys are playing well, I think Maxie's playing way better and quickly mm-hmm. and Richards are. But I don't know how you could be watching them and not be really worried about Ashton Hagens going into the postseason. Yeah. Over the, over the last nine games, he's down to 8.2 points, 4.8 assists, and averaging four turnovers a game. No, shooting, that's not good. Shooting yeah. 
Yeah. Over the first 18 games, he averaged almost 14 points, 7.3 assists, uh, 2.3 steals. He's only 1.5 over the last nine. And shot 43%. So his shooting percentage is down 5 percentage points. Uh, his scoring's down over 5, 5.5 points. His assists are way down, almost 3 a game. And his turnovers are up. I mean, it's how you could feel good about that with your point guard, you know, the guy that makes it all go slumping like this. I don't know. I don't know how you could feel. Cal Perry a couple weeks ago said he's the least of our worries. I right. just totally disagree with that. Yeah. And I and clearly that's just um, – I don't think Calipari is being 100% honest right there when he says it. I think they are – you know, he was concerned and, and that finally came out and, and then Kenny Payne, you know, elaborated on that because this is the part. And this is what Kenny was talking about is this is what we train for like all year. This is what the whole season is about is this particular time – of the, the final push of getting all your ducks in a row and everybody's starting to come along a little bit and, and everything seems to be happening. Like EJ's getting there and Keon and they're all, they're all doing what we need them to do. And, you know, Nate will be up and down, up and down. That's, that's a little different uh, with him. He hasn't found that total consistency. He'll pop up here and then he'll pop up there and then he'll be back down. But you'll be okay if he, if he continues to do that. It's Ashton now going the wrong way. Going the other way. He's like the only one that's going the opposite direction. And uh, I don't think there's any doubt there's a concern. Let's uh, take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about Kentucky's game tonight against Texas A&M on the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We're back here on the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. And Calipari said... um, Texas A&M's playing, playing great. They've won five in a row. Well, it's actually three in a row. Uh, they beat Mississippi State 87-75 at home. They shot 59.6% in that game. They won at Alabama 74-68. They beat Georgia at home 74-69. They beat Georgia in, in uh, College Station. So during this three-game win streak, Texas A&M has averaged 78 points per game, where they normally average around 65 uh, they've shot the ball almost 50%, uh, 43% from three. Five players have averaged in double-figure scoring. Uh, but prior to the current three-game win streak, they had lost at home to Florida by 17 and at South Carolina by 20. So they're coming on a little bit. Part of it is like Quentin Jackson is um, 6'5 junior who's who's gotten better, averaging uh, 14.5 points per game over the last six he was averaging seven points before that. Wendell Mitchell, 6'3", senior. He's averaging 14 points per game over the last eight. He had 23 points at Tennessee. He had 20 against Miss State. He's hit 21 threes over the last eight games. Uh, this freshman, the 6'7", freshman, Emmanuel Miller, his uh, rebounds are almost seven a game in SEC play. Uh, and then the two guys uh, that are really good for him, uh, 6'9", 245, senior, Josh Nebo, Nation's active leader in career blocks. He's third in the SEC with two blocks a game. He had 21 points Saturday over in the win over Miss State. Averages 12 points, six rebounds a game, shooting 67.5%. That's even better than Nick. And then 6'7", junior Savion Flag, 15 and 10, 10 against Miss State Saturday. Um, and he's been really good for him. So they, they've got some potential there. Uh, but, I mean, there's a reason Kentucky's a seven-point favorite. 
Um, and on the it's road. Just, yeah, on the road. And we'll just see if, you know, this three-game win streak has energized them enough that they have enough to, to be in this game late. But, um, you know, that battle between Nebo and Nick, I mean, still, Nick is 6'11". Nebo's 6'9". Yeah. And, and they got a 6'7 guy, a 6'7 guy. Um, yeah, Nebo, the, one, the, the concern with Nebo is he's just a big physical presence yeah. who could, you know, try to bully those front court guys. He could get Nick in foul trouble, you know, and if you get Nick in foul trouble with a guy like that, you know, does he just abuse you? Um, but this is one of those games, you know, this is a kid who came from St. Francis. He uh, played two years at St. Francis. And so, you know, I guess you'd say he's almost like a Nate Sestina. So if if, they, yeah, if it, if it right. comes if it comes to that you know if if Nick is in foul trouble or even if he's not can you throw Nate Sestina at him and they can you know battle to a draw you mentioned he's got uh, his career numbers he's got over a thousand points in college um, seven hundred and fifty rebounds uh, two hundred and sixty four career block shots mm-hmm. um, so he's the one concern um, but I you know the other thing I would say is. Uh, Texas A&M's offense, looking at Ken Palm, their offensive efficiency, they're 218th in the country. Yeah. They're 333rd, which is right. almost de- nearly dead last in effect. Well, they've stuck field. all season offensively. Yeah. It's and just this, this little three-game spurt right now. But you've got to take that in context. Well. It's Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi State, whose average right. ranking offense, uh, defensively is in the hundreds. Yeah. Um, so those aren't none of those three teams are great defensive teams. Their SEC wins are over <laughs> Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Tennessee, Missouri, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi State. All yeah. every single SEC win is over the bottom half of the league. Right. Uh, Mississippi State was their their best and most impressive win. But you know when they're three hundred thirty third in effective field goal percentage, three hundred eleventh in turnover percentage offensively, three hundred and forty eighth in three-point percentage. <laughs> yeah. They shoot t- less than 28% from three. Um, 390, I'm sorry, 339th in offensive block percentage. They get their shot blocked 12% of the time. Um, and Kentucky leads the SEC in block shots. Yeah, like I, I mean, game, there's just so. like, if you, Ken, I think we've talked about this before, but on Ken Palm, if you go to like a team's profile, uh, it, bad is red, Good is green, and like they're in shades. Like the the mm-hmm. the more elite you are at something, the brighter green it is. The more the, the more terrible you are at something, the darker red it is. And their offensive side on their team <laughs> profile is just every shade of pink and red. Uh, there's there's very 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 little green uh, on that side. So to me, as good as Kentucky has defended, and there's I, I wish I had it right in front of me. But Kentucky's on this crazy run of holding teams below their season average for points, for field goal percentage, uh, all those things. I think our uh, Hoops Insight uh, buddy has tweeted about that. Okay. Um, but Kentucky has played so well defensively lately that I, against a team that's so challenged offensively, even in a road game, even with a team that's hot, a little bit hot. I don't know how hot you are when you beat Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi State. But right. um, I just – I, I think confidence and Kentucky mental, Kentucky's know. rolling along in this thing. I don't, I don't, it would be a big upset and it would be a bad loss for Kentucky. Uh, it's the only opportunity left for them to have a sub 100 loss, Texas A&M 135th and Ken Palm. Um, 
you know, if you don't yeah. like their if you don't like their computer rankings now, lose that game to Texas A&M and see what happens. <laughs> Everything Joe else, Leonardo will drop lose, you down to a five seed. Yeah, they could lose any other game the rest of the way, but Texas A&M is the one you can't lose. So yeah. All right, a little more on this when we return here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. All right, back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and a uh, very interesting note on Texas A&M that I found. They have taken 44 charges this season, and Buzz Williams makes such an emphasis of taking charges that every time a player takes a charge – that player gets a brand new pair of socks and then the screenshot of the charge is printed out and put on the team's charge wall in their film room. Uh, this kid oh, Wendell so Mitchell Buzz is, is like my worst nightmare. Like, <laughs> it's like Chris Beard. Like, oh, we love charges. The, right. the, feti- the fetishization of charges, <laughs> taking charges, is one of the grossest things in college basketball. It's for so, losers. It is for losers. I'm sorry. <laughs> so they're going to... <laughs> They're going to try to have, you know, two fouls on EJ yeah. in the first half, two fouls on Nick in the first half, two fouls on I mean they're trying yeah, to that's, get Yeah, that's that's the that's the danger zone, you know. Yeah. They'll they'll try to you know, they know they've been watching Ashton Hagens drive wildly mm. and out of control into the into the lane. They're right. gonna take some try to take some charges on him. Um, and that's been Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky has had a problem with this all season long. Foul trouble has been one of their their issues all year. Yeah, I, I think um, this is one of those games that Kentucky fans are going to be so pissed off at the referees. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, there are going to be a million whistles. It's you know, that's the one. That's the one risk in this game is that they just get you know they get a million fouls called on them and everybody's on the bench. Uh, I still don't. I just still don't think. <laughs> What's the over is, under on flops? What, what game was it that there were three flops? And, and Calipari was losing his mind. Was it Arkansas? Well, uh, Texas A&M, finally... right? Was, is... no, was oh, it a... oh, oh, no. Arkansas is where he got ejected because he kept calling yeah. for the flop. And there was the there yeah. was the flop. I think Hagens uh, was the defender or quickly, one of the two. Uh, and the guy looked like he had gotten, like, shot right. by a bazooka yeah. the way he went through him. So, right. I mean, it was, a, it was very clearly a flop. Uh, now I think they even reviewed that one upon Calipari's vehement request and did not call it a flop. I, I have mean, yet to see the review go uh, against the flopper. Like yeah. it was another game, and it might have been Arkansas. There was another game just recently, in the, and it was my, it was against Florida, and I think it was Arkansas. And the dude was in like in Florida's huddle at the free throw line, and once one of the players from Florida saw him, he shoved him. But he just gave him a little, like, get out of here kind of thing, right. not a full-on shove. And the dude went flying oh, like, yes, head yeah. over heels, yeah, and they like, called the like foul been, on the Florida player looked like a he'd technical. Been, looked like and, he'd been killed, yeah. And and Mike White, had he explained it afterward and said, look, that's my fault because earlier in the season, my team uh, was just not connected enough. And at one point, there was another player from the, the opponent was in our huddle. And none of us noticed. None of them noticed it. None of them even noticed it. And I made them a, a point to them that you guys are so disconnected that you don't even know that another player, you know, a player from the other team is in your huddle. And so don't let that happen again. If that happens again, you push that guy and get him out of the huddle. So he, so they did that, and and the dude flopped tremendously. Yeah. But I, I can't believe they still, you know, they make all this, you know, make a point of emphasis this year, and it's nothing but a warning, and they still haven't called one that I have seen anywhere. 
I, but, yeah, I mean, that's supposedly they're going to, you know, penalize floppers, and I don't, I've, I've seen no proof no. that that it that it's detrimental to, to flop. I mean, for the most part, floppers continue to be rewarded. They um, do. One thing I wanted to hit on before we wrapped up was just rankings, and for a couple reasons, um, you know, people freaked out on Joe Lenardi. Kentucky fans just like bombarded Joe Lenardi, uh, which he quote tweeted a bunch of them. Is how I know. Um, yeah, I mean, because of his because he apparently moved them down from a three to a four seed. Uh, one, who cares? Because you know, people still think like people just refer to Joe Lenardi as bracketology. Like right. I've seen I've seen all these tweets like bracketology has us here now. Like there's a uh, there's like marketing. nine it's million really good marketing. There's like <laughs> nine million bracketologists now, and most of them are better than Joe Lenardi. Uh, Bracket Matrix grades them on a five year rolling average of you know, accuracy. But uh, I mean, the general population or maybe just the general sports fan, because of the marketing and the branding of ESPN, I bet you no one else out there knows that there's anything but Joe Lenardi and maybe like CBS does one. Jerry, Jerry Palm. Palm. Yeah. And um, then, then you yeah. don't know the rest of them because ESPN's got such a, you know, yeah, maybe a, so. Great job Le- with it. Lenardi is ranked in those, in the five year average rankings of the brackets, uh, the bracket projectors. He's like 55th. Right. Um, so anyway, it doesn't matter. He also has no influence no. Uh, over the selection committee. Somebody's like, people on the committee tweeting at me, like, people on the committee watch him, and it changed. It, 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 I mean, no, 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 no. These people have a full time. Like, they all take it very seriously. I've talked to Mitch Barnhart, who, by the way, Kentucky, you have your AD is on the committee now, and he's going to chair the committee next year. Uh, and he oh, has, is he the chair next year? Yes, he's going to be the chairman of the selection committee next year. He's based, I think, he's the vice chair this year or whatever. Um, and he has told, he has said, like, look, you know, everybody has that little thing in the back of their mind, like they're, you know, conspiracy this or that. But when you serve on the committee, and he has for two or three years now, you see how seriously all these people take this job, and like how much they adhere to these rules. Like he'll have to leave the room when they talk about Kentucky, and all those others will have to leave the room when. Their school is discussed, and you know there is no like, oh, we got to get this, we got to pair this and this, and it's hard to believe that sometimes because of the way some of it shakes out. Um, but the bottom line is, I, the one thing I I certainly don't believe is that people on the committee are like Joe Lenardi has this seating. We, you know, let me let me put that into my thought process. Right. Um, the other well, is there's a bunch of Lenardi's bracket, and we'll just uh, write that down. Yeah, the other is there's a, <laughs> there's so much to go still that it doesn't matter. Like Kentucky, if you're in the average in bracket matrix of all the bracket pickers, the average right now has uh, Kentucky as the number two four seed. So you know two spots out of being a three seed. Um, which is, you know, I would say they'd be a, a bottom end three seed or a high end four seed right now, and that's about right. Uh, and there's just a lot. There's so much still to go that it's I mean, not if they worth. Win out, that it's, it's worth like a seven you know, and zero here. Yeah, yeah. If like they beat a Auburn, thirteen game win streak, they will be. Uh, they'll be a three seed, maybe pushing for a two. Maybe a two. Yeah, if they beat Auburn and they win at Florida and then they win the SEC tournament, uh, they're at worst going to be a higher end three seed, and they could be a two. Um, Period. And if they're not, if they're five seed after going winning 13 straight games, then you can be pissed off on Selection Sunday, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, also, 
you know, the frustration over the computers. Uh, Kentucky is has won six in a row. They've won 10 of 11 and 14 of 16, and they're still 26th in Ken Palm. And we've right. talked a whole bunch about Ken Palm. Uh, they are, in the, in the net that's updated, they are now 21st. Um, and so you go, okay. And then the human beings involved, the AP poll, the media, have them 8th, up to 8th now from 10th. And the coaches have them at 9th. And so what I would say to you is, while I get your frustration over the computers not loving Kentucky, human beings seed the field. Uh, And all the humans that we've heard from, you know, that actually are involved in the sport, um, have Kentucky as a top 10 team, you know, a top eight or nine team. And that puts you right in the range for a two, three seed. Um, And so I just don't think there's really a whole lot to lose sleep over. I think one, the other thing is you can't complain much when you lost to Utah and uh, and especially to Evansville. Those are bad losses, and those yeah. are and if and if they want to hold those against you on Selection Sunday, I'm sorry, that's part of the deal. <laughs> Don't lose games like that. Um, but I also think if you keep winning the way Kentucky's winning, that can't be ignored. And humans, unlike computers, will not ignore that. Well. Uh... Something else is if you know if you are in the selection committee and you, you you're trying to figure something out and you, you kind of glance over at the just the Ken Palm rankings right now and you see Kentucky 26. Well, Purdue's 25. Well, Purdue's 14 and 14. They're 25. Right. Okay. So what what does that tell you? That tells you that you can maybe disregard the computers. Right. This year. You could yeah. possibly you know go maybe go out on your own here. You can look at Michigan State at seventh. In, in Ken Palm. West Virginia just lost again. I think they've lost five of six or something like that. They're ninth yeah. in Ken Palm. It's ins- it, is really, so, it is really insane to me that Michigan State is seventh. So, I mean, you could look at that and say, well, Kentucky beat them. So if you count the Evansville loss, which was game three of the season, well, then the Michigan State win is, you know, almost cancels that out if Michigan State is the seventh best team in Ken Palm, right? Yes. So I, I, I do think... When they look at this, they will be able to say, okay, this is just a little guidance here. Uh, basically what you know, Michigan State being there means and what West Virginia being there means and Maryland and Michigan and these teams in the top ten. That's just telling them that it's tougher to play in the Big Ten. It's tougher to play in the Big 12. It's tougher to play in the Big East than it is to play in the SEC this year. That would be, and that's a, and that's also a fair statement. I mean, right. the league's not great this year. They're going to probably get four teams in the field, um, you know, if that. I mean, they're going to get Kentucky, probably LSU, definitely Auburn, and maybe maybe Florida. Yeah, uh, everybody else is pretty much faded. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I talk about Ken Palm and Green and Red. If you when you when you click on their schedule on a team's schedule, it's the same thing. Wins are green, losses are red. You click on Kentucky's profile, there's a lot of green and there's not a lot of red. And if you right. see 13 straight chunks of green, uh, at which point, if they let's say they went out all the way through the tournament, SEC tournament. Yeah. That's 13 in a row. Right. That is 17 out of 18. Uh, and that is 21 out of 23. Um, I don't think there's any humans – Right. Who are paying attention to basketball? Who are going to go like, oh, they're only 18th in Ken Palm? Uh, I just, I just don't. Yeah, and and I think when you also the quad one wins, they they mean something. 
I mean, yeah, and they got they've got at least two and probably three, uh, maybe more opportunities to get more of those. Yeah, and so um, so like if they're comparing, if they think, uh, you know, what about Florida State? Should they be um, a four seed over Kentucky? You know, Florida, well, Florida State's, State's really good, by the way. They are good. They they're handled up there. handled Louisville again tonight. They did. Done and, it twice. And so now they're four and three in quad one. So if you're if you're sitting there and you're comparing them to Kentucky, like okay, strength of schedule: Florida State fifty, uh, Kentucky eighty-seven. Uh, quad one, it's Florida State four and three, Kentucky six and three. Um, quad two, it's four and one, Florida State eight and one. So Florida State's eating in the ACC. Like the ACC is another of the ACC and the SEC are, are right there, you know, as far as strength um, perception out there with the uh, with the computer. So it's also uh, interesting that Florida State has a bunch of common opponents with Kentucky. They they beat Florida, they beat Tennessee, they beat Louisville twice, and they beat Georgia Tech. Uh, so they have five games of common opponents with uh, with Kentucky to compare. There's a lot of things yeah. that team that the committee will look at. And I just yeah. – I don't buy that they just go, well, I mean, if it was as simple as the computers, there's a reason that, like, every Selection Sunday, there's a bunch of fan bases that go, "We, but we were 33rd in Ken Palm. How did yeah. we get left out of the field? Right, right. Um, so if, if, if that's all the committee's looking at is, is the computers, then there'd be – then you wouldn't even need – if you, you wouldn't even need a selection committee. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the whole deal. Like, if it was just, okay, here's what the net says. We'll take the – however right. many at large, we'll take them. We'll seed them based on their – it doesn't It doesn't go that humans. way. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't go not. that way. But now, for the first time, I think uh, – well, since we really started paying attention to them, since the net came out, I think since the net rankings came out, this is the first time that the human poll by the media, the AP poll, and the net – Line up one through five. I don't think that's happened until. Uh, well, and I, I think we have a clear one through five. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, Dayton, San Diego State. Yeah. Um, you know, Duke right behind them. I, like, I think that six think is the right. top six. I mean, that's. I do too. Uh, Louisville at seven, no way. And that's going to, I think that's going to change, certainly in the rankings and the the computer rankings. That's a Maryland, that Kentucky, seven. top 10 teams. I think so. Florida State, top 10. Florida but State that, for sure. I mean, they they yeah, were six. They're twelfth now. Yeah, twelfth in the net, sixth in, in the, the AP. Net. Right. Right. Um, yeah, Florida State's up to sixth in both the coaches and the AP. So that's it. There again, it's like humans paying attention are going. Florida State is really good, man. They're really mm-hmm. like the, the, what the computer isn't tell you about Florida State is that is maybe the most athletic team in the country. Right. Um, you know that's that doesn't that doesn't work out on the spreadsheet. I don't mean to sound like an old school person. I do not dismiss. Uh, advanced metrics. I use, I cite them all the time, mm-hmm. um, but you know we have eyeballs, and I think I do believe by and large the people on the committee are are eyeball people. You know yeah. they they have proven and demonstrated that they want to care about that they want to prioritize. Uh, now that we have more information, actually using it, and that's why they said we got to get rid of this outdated RPI, and mm-hmm. we won't use that anymore. And they created the net. I think that was a a right move, but I don't think that they'll, they will ever make it their be all end all. Yeah. Well, let's be it all and end it all right there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right. We'll discuss Kentucky's uh, win or loss against Texas A&M 
uh, on tomorrow's Locked On Kentucky podcast. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R, and Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. You are Locked On Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked On. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.